Hello listener and welcome to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Thank you so much for finding time to join me. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Lydia Aching is on standby with the Family Life segment. Today, she will talk about seeing things as they really are. Brother Ian Mose will also be joining us during the Bible segment. Today, he will talk about In Christ We Are Made Alive. Stay tuned for this and some songs which I store for you. Here's a song she turned by Colonel Choir. Shed his blood favors. So all those who are burdened with sin turn unto him and be saved. Just as the lady touched Jesus' hand and was redeemed, the kingdom of heaven is open to all. Bye. 
Jesus, we are all changed and our lives are never the same again. Let's turn to him and be saved. This is the New Life Program coming to you from Adventist All Radio, the voice of hope. Get ready to listen to Lydia Cheng with the Family Life segment. Be blessed. Listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. Today we are going to talk about seeing things as they really are. Before we start, let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day and thank you for this marriage message. I pray that it may guide us and help us to live lives that are pleasing before you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This marriage message is going to be a little different because it was spurred on by a letter that was written to us. I feel it is something we can all rejoice over as well as learn from together. Here's what she writes. I want to share with you a wonderful testimony. My husband and I had been going through a rough patch because we had allowed the devil to come in between us through a very minor issue. This issue grew so much that we both had resentment for each other and we always fought for no apparent reason. 
One day I was complaining to God about this marriage, my innocence in the whole matter, and how unfair all this was to me. God suddenly said something that left me stumped. As I was repeatedly claiming my innocence, God reminded me of the verse that says that we have all fallen short of his glory. That was an awesome revelation for me and I realized how I had totally missed it. Soon after that, I sent my husband a message as I couldn't wait till I saw him in the evening and confessed that I was also responsible for the situation in our marriage. I think God was also working on him because when we met in the evening, we both let go of our heart and we forgave each other. For a moment, the devil had blinded us to the truth that God wants us to have a happy marriage, to enjoy and not to endure every moment we share together. I so love my husband, but I have learned that I can never love him enough with my human love because I am limited as a person. But I surrender my love to God and he will work through us in an amazing way. Isn't that a remarkable testimony? God works in ways that can sometimes stump us, where we think things are one way, but then he reveals that we need to look again. When we're open to looking at the situation with God's vision and obey his promptings, he will work through us in an amazing way. As I read this testimony, I was reminded of an article that Robert and Jeanette Lohr wrote for Marriage Partnership magazine. They wrote, We get so busy looking for what we can do to build a happier marriage that we overlook the fact that many of our problems are all in our heads. That is, if we exchanged a few negative thinking patterns for some healthier thought habits, we'd be surprised to find ourselves in a happier marriage. In this article, the laws wrote about a couple who eventually discovered that they were viewing each other in negative ways. No matter what their spouse said or did, they viewed it negatively. But as they changed how they viewed each other, they found that their marriage was growing into the relationship they had wanted in the first place. The article goes on to give six types of healthy thinking to build and maintain a happy marriage. Here's a portion of what they wrote. One, assume the best. Practice giving each other the benefit of the doubt, since assuming the worst doesn't help anyone. If your spouse offers to clean the kitchen, don't assume it's criticism. Instead, view it as an action designed to show love. Assume that criticism is meant to help rather than to put down. Assume that a sharp response reflects your spouse's momentary state of irritability rather than a rejection of you as a person. Two, ask more questions. If negative thoughts persist and you fear your spouse really did mean to put you down, ask some questions. First, ask yourself why you reacted negatively and other meanings your spouse's words or actions might carry. Check with your mate to see if your negative thoughts are accurate you may find that you misinterpreted a remark. Three, expect good outcomes. For the first few years of their marriage, every time Jane and her husband argued, she had the same thought. This marriage is doomed. There's no hope for our future together. Her fears caused her to withdraw from her husband. To overcome her negative assumptions, Jane had to stop and rethink the situation. Now when she argues with her husband, she reminds herself that conflict can be good for their marriage and that people who never disagree may not care enough about each other to argue. 4. Focus on what's good. You're married to a flawed person, and so is your mate. You can choose to focus on your partner's de deficiencies or in his or her strengths. For example, a quiet spouse is either withdrawn and emotionally disengaged or he or she is careful before speaking in an attempt to avoid misunderstanding. 
So even in the middle of a disagreement, when tension and hurt feelings take center stage, remind yourself of the admirable traits that led you to marry this person. Five, redefine your differences. Ever wondered why your spouse couldn't be more spontaneous, more responsible, more outgoing, or more punctual? In other words, more like you? Toxic thinkers define such differences as serious shortcomings, but healthy thinkers see strength in these same differences. Most of us marry our opposites, a tendency that holds great potential for creating a richer life. Six, practice loving thoughts. Some people picture their mates in the context of their deficiencies, but healthy thinkers reflect on things they respect and love about their spouses. A young husband told us that he and his wife set a time every day when each thinks about the other. We know that when 3.15 rolls around, I'll be thinking about her and she'll be thinking of me. Two scriptures come to mind that it would be good for all of us to pray. It could benefit our marriage and keep us grounded in truth if we would pray, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's found in Psalm chapter 51 verse 10 and Psalm chapter 139 verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As you pray with an open heart and mind, God will reveal to you if your thoughts about your spouse are healthy and true and if you need to do anything to make things right on your part. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. You are tuned to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. This is your presenter, Samuel Mangi. A producer would love to have your thoughts about this program. Please send them to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also email us at awrnairobi.ek.adventist.org. Let us now listen to Koalel Choir with the song Shetani Atafuta. Chetani ya tutafuta sana msikuna mchana situwe na po Oh sisi tumkatae tuwe na yesu ndani yetu Chetani ya tutafuta sana msikuna mchana situwe na po Shinda za shetani Tifana 
It is another opportunity to get some spiritual nourishment from Brother Ian Mose. Welcome, Brother. I greet you, dear listener, in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our study today and feel at the feet of Jesus Christ. The topic of our study is In Christ We Are Made Alive, based on the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 15. I am a presenter, Ian Muse. Welcome. From the moment sin became a fixed fact, every human being who lived became subject to the first death. In fact, if God had not intervened, it would have been an eternal death. Adam's probation ended when he sinned. As far as the first offer of life was concerned, it was finished. He had forfeited all hope of life under the proposal God had made. Now only death awaited him a hopeless, final death. And if God had done nothing more, that's the way it would have ended for Adam and all of his descendants. But immediately after Adam sinned and before the sentence was fully executed, God introduced the plan of salvation through the seed of the woman and gave Adam a new trial. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 This second probation was conditioned upon acceptance of a savior who would bear man's penalty through his own substitutionary death. A new hope was set before Adam and all his posterity through this second arrangement but it did not alter the consequences of failing the first probation. That brings us to a very crucial question. How could God uphold his integrity by carrying out the penalty of the first failure and still hold out the offer of a new life to everyone through another probation? God met that puzzling dilemma in such a simple way that we are amazed. We would let men live their limited lifespan and then die, regardless of whether they did good or evil. That first death will take care of the Adamic consequences of failing the first test. Then, let all men be raised from the first death, into which they fell through no fault of their own, and let them stand before God to answer for their own personal sins for which they are responsible. Then their destiny will be determined on the basis of the second probation, between birth and the first death, and how they met the conditions of salvation through Christ. If they are found guilty of personally failing the second test, they will suffer the same penalty that Adam faced, death. In this case, however, there will be no further probation extended, and their death will be the second death, final, external extinction. Now we can better understand the words of Paul. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 22 the plan of salvation involves a resurrection of all men from the first death so that they can be placed beyond the effects of Adam's sins. This is necessary so that they can be judged on the basis of their personal actions and choices. Adam died because he ate the fruit of the forbidden tree, not because of anything he did after that. But if, after the judgment, Adam is found worthy of the second death, it will not be because he ate the fruit, but because of other sins committed after the experience which were not confessed and forgiven. Some may change God with being arbitrary and cruel 
to bring the wicked back to life again only to destroy them in the lake of fire. Why not just let them remain under the power of their first death? That will not meet the conditions required by the second probation. The first death is not the punishment for sin for any of Adam's posterity. Justice requires that each individual be held accountable only for meeting the conditions of his own salvation. Without a resurrection, no such judgment could be made and no just retribution could be given. It is no wanton act on God's part, but a fulfillment of the standards of divine justice. With that understanding of the first and second deaths, we are prepared to examine the roles of the first and second Adams. Just as the entire human race was represented by Adam in the Garden of Eden, so every man will be represented by Jesus, the second Adam. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall men be made righteous. Romans chapter 5 verse 18 to 19 As we have seen, whatever happened to the first Adam affected all those whom he represented. Now we are told by Paul that the experience of the second Adam will directly affect all men. Jesus, the Creator, was incorporated into humanity and stood before God as though he were every man. This is why Paul wrote, I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2 verse 20 We are buried with him by baptism. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 As Christ was raised up, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 the life of man is deeply associated with the events of Christ's life. Because Jesus came to redeem the failure of the first Adam, he had to do it in the same flesh that mankind possessed when he was born. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 Had he possessed any supernatural advantage over his brethren in conquering sins, Jesus would have given support to Satan's charge of injustice. God had been accused of requiring an obedience that was unreasonable and even impossible. Christ came to disprove the devil's false accusation by meeting the requirements of God in the same human nature that any man may obtain through faith in the Father. It was that perfect victory of Christ over sin and death which provided the basis of all salvation. All the descendants of Adam lay under the influence of his weakness and failure, making it impossible for any of them to obey the law. In that dying, condemned family of Adam, they were doomed to perpetual struggle and defeat. But the victory of the second Adam opened a door of escape for the family of the first Adam. Listener, there is a resounding truth in the Bible that in Christ Jesus we are victorious over sin. You can claim your victory today by accepting to follow him. Till we meet again, be blessed. Thank you, listener, for your time. I was your presenter, Ian Muse. God bless you.
That brings us to the end of our program for today. I hope that you've been blessed. We'd like to have a views, comments, or questions about this program. Please send them by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Join me next time, same place, same time. But until then, may our good Lord keep you safe. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mahangi. Chetani ya tutafuta sana usiku na mchana situenda po Oh sisi tumkatae tuenda Yesu ndani yetu Chetani ya tutafuta sana usiku na mchana situenda po Tunaimani na nguvu zako zina
zinazoshinda za shetani